0: If you are a teacher, parent, administrator, student, and or anyone who loves reconnecting children with nature and you want to figure out how to cultivate learning gardens and nature-based curriculum, then this is the podcast, the Outdoor Classrooms Podcast. My name is Victoria Hackett. I am the founder of OutdoorClassrooms.com and the Secret Gardens Nature Classes. I love witnessing the magic that happens when children are playfully learning outdoors. Observing the return of wonder and curiosity when children are interacting with nature is pure magic. This is the podcast that is going to help you capture children's interest and give you not only inspiration, but some real life strategies that are going to help you figure out how to use the outdoor space, your outdoor space, as a teaching tool so you can enlighten the playful learning experience for young children. Welcome to our Outdoor Classrooms community. Did you know that outdoor classrooms improve children's emotional, intellectual, and behavioral development while helping foster the development of creativity, problem-solving, independence, and confidence? The problem is... Overwhelm, fear, and a lack of time can often make achieving any outdoor classroom vision into reality more trouble than it's worth. Did you know that we have a membership community at Outdoor Classrooms? It's the leading training community for educators and parents interested in cultivating outdoor classrooms and creating nature-based curriculum. It's a membership to support, collaborate, educate, and bring like-minded educators together. And it's packed with in-depth practice practical training and resources for all aspects of planning, running and growing a sustainable outdoor classroom plus the community support you need to ensure your teaching gardens achieve their full potential. This month, we are talking about teaching and learning outdoors. Today, we have Rhonda Pollock, the founder and owner of Poliwog's Nature Play School. She is incredible, and we have talked an incredible conversation. It's an outdoor classrooms tour and talk, and we're talking about nature-based programming, forest kindergarten model, all-weather immersion, child-led flow learning, inquiry-based teachings in child inspired child directed documentation outdoors so so much is packed into this interview Rhonda pollack is an early childhood educator consultant presenter and mentor and is the founder and lead educator of the pollywogs nature play school pnp is the first massachusetts state licensed cedar song accredited forest kindergarten Rhonda has built several home-based education programs with over 20-plus years of experience, including founding, designing, and implementing the entire PNP program from the ground up. Rhonda has been nurturing and connecting children to nature since 1998. She has extensive experience in early childhood education and child social services. In addition, Rhonda holds a Bachelor of Social Work BSW from Rhode Island College and once Rhonda decided to operate her home-based program as a preschool she obtained director level qualifications in early childhood education and has completed hundreds of hours of professional development with various certifications in 2003 when Rhonda read above all be kind by zoe wheel she decided to make nature the focus and curriculum for her preschool program before he- even hearing the term nature preschool she's a Rhonda has also a certified Cedar Songway forest kindergarten teacher. Having trained with the esteemed Aaron Kenny, in addition, she is a mentor of the Cedar Song Way Teacher Certification Program as a collaborator in creating the Cedar Song Way Online Teacher Training Course. Rhonda has been a presenter for the National Start Alliance Conference, the and has led weekly online Cedar Song conversations. She previously served as the board of directors for the Eastern Region Association of Forest and Nature Schools with. Without further ado, Rhonda. Pollock We are here again with an Outdoor Classrooms Tour and Talk, and we, Rhonda Pollock from the Pollywogs Nature Play School. Welcome, Rhonda. Thank you, Victoria. Thrilled to be here. And we are going to, uh, chatting about her program and all that's happening with it. This is an Outdoor Classrooms Tour and Talk. For those who are listening on the podcast, we'll be able to hear our incredible conversation. And those who are in the Circle membership will be able to see these incredible pictures her program is in Nantucket, Massachusetts, and really fascinating when I put this, the pictures together, so I cannot wait to have the story that goes along with it. So again, welcome, Rhonda. We are thrilled you are here, and we're just going to dive right in. Tell us a little bit about your probe. Actually, before we get into your program, if you could tell us a little bit about your backstory and where what brought you to nature-based education and this line of work. Well, to I'll say t- it in a little bit is (laughs) difficult because it's been, it's a very
1: long organic journey. I started in 1998 working as an early childhood educator, and I came from the field of social work. I was a child protective social worker for the state. And then when I decided that I was going to open up my own program was when I was working for the state um, and I was pregnant with my second daughter and we were building our house on Nantucket. And part of my responsibility for the state, um, people who were on my caseload, who were in the custody. Children who were in the custody of the, the state and who needed childcare or preschool, I was the person that went and looked at those programs, and I was the one that filled out all the enrollment forms. And I got to see all these different types of in-home programs, center-based, different things like that. And when I saw some in-home programs, I thought, "Wow, I think you know, when I have my when I move over to Nantucket and get back to work, I think I might want to start something like that." And that's what I did in 1998, and it just evolved from there. And then in 2003 was when I really found that I knew that nature was going to be like the focus, the curriculum. I didn't know what I was going to do, with <laughs> new, but I knew that was the piece for me to keep me in that line of work. Otherwise I was going to leave it because I was having difficulty with people, parents wanting to focus on academics with uh-huh. these little, little children from two, 2.9 to five. And I just, something was missing for me. And then when I read this book, Above All, Be Kind by Zoe Weil, which was all about raising a humane child in the world that we live in. And her the chapter that was spe- specifically for early childhood education, the focus she used was nature. And it was mm. right there and then that I knew for me, this is it. This is it. I'm not, Of course, I was inspired by all these different philosophies and models, but nothing ever like truly resonated with me 100%. And it was when I found that That book, and then that's when I started my deep dive search into nature, using nature with children. Of course, in 1998, I was connecting children with nature, but I didn't know like there wasn't a pedagogy behind it. There wasn't just like that was just like this is what children need. Yeah. When I found that in 2003, everything just spiraled from there. More of that as we go along, but I don't know if you want to talk about any of this right here. So,
0: yeah. So we're we're looking at a picture of your mission. Polywogs came to be. Is that you've evolved into a, a nature play school? I love that you say play school.
1: I was always a play school. I was Polywogs Play School. I mm-hmm. added the nature base. Uh, the nature piece when it became a movement, because I was doing this before uh, there was for Richard right. Lube's movement. And before I even knew the term nature, nature school, nature preschool. And there wasn't really much out there when I started to take that deep dive. That's why I did send you one of the pictures. I added it on um, with some of the beginning books that I was researching how I wanted to, um, you know, I just wanted to learn more. I took any course that was out there way back when. And I think one of the first things was like growing up wild. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, growing, yeah. growing wild or growing up wild. I went and got that little certificate. But then I also found Nature Explore outdoor classrooms, and I started working with that. I want to say it was like 2008, maybe that I started working with that. And that was one. The reason why I decided to go with that was because they're in their mission. It talked about unstructured free play outside with children, and I thought, wow, this is actually something that validates what I've right. been doing with children. Because Victoria. There wasn't research out there to back up what I was doing with kids. I think 2008 was the first time that I realized that I needed to let parents know specifically what I was doing and how I was doing it and why I was doing it. Because I actually heard about a parent talking about me in the community. (laughs) They thought I was crazy. And the parent was at a Christmas party and came back and said, Rhonda, I need to let you know that this dad was saying he wants you to leave the child inside when there's snow. And I said, first of all, I would get shut down real quick by the state. If I did that, I thought, wow, I need to make sure that I have my message. Like my, what is my mission? What is my, right. So it actually, I thank that dad, because it's because of that, that I went and I wrote up my first like handout because prior to that, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I, you know, children people came to me word of mouth. I never advertised. Mm -hmm. I didn't have I did not have a website until 2018. 2017, 2017 was when I, because I started to get bombarded with people wanting in when they discovered these nature programs.
0: With that, how would you articulate nature-based programming to parents, to the greater community? How how do you define nature-based programming? So
1: for me, it is the everything revolves around being in nature. Like nature is the curriculum. It's not just like being, going outside and just being outside. It's like we are in nature. We are immersed with nature. Mm. We're interacting with it. The children, they learn through their senses. They're, they are, you know, sensing beings. We all are. We're born this way. We're meant to mm-hmm, be this mm-hmm. way. If yeah. the research is out there to say that we come from hunter-gatherer, that's just who we are innately. And it's only how many years back that we were living and we were so like we were with the land and it was just part of our, it was part of our upbringing. We were just yeah. out there and it's just with the industrial Revolution that this stuff has changed and then with school formal schooling to get kids ready to work in factories so to go back though I would say that it's about being with nature being immersed in nature the curriculum uh-huh. is focused nature is everything
0: but so- we're looking at a slide here and it's uh you've got some young boys that are clipping. is it that look like herbs yes and that's you've la- got a that's beautiful lavender. mud kitchen oh it's
1: lavender that's lavender yes Oh, will go in there and harvest herbs and and flowers to use in their play. You know, once they learn how to properly use scissors, scissors mm-hmm. are tools, and they learn how to handle them and carry them, point it down. Mm-hmm. So I do start that work individually with children. And once they're proficient in that, and they can follow the safety rules, because all we have for the rules are for safety and kindness in our school. Right, That's right. freedom. Yes. So they make bouquets. They use that stuff in their mud kitchen concoctions. In that little mud kitchen area that you're looking at there, that is, you know, self-made one with loose parts. Yeah, it's just, just, that's
0: the, that's the beauty of it. So can you describe, it says that you have a forest kindergarten model. Mm -hmm. Can you describe what that is, what that means, what that looks like in your program? Sure. Okay. When
1: I transitioned to a nature-based program way back when, it wasn't a forest kindergarten model. The forest kindergarten model, really, I learned about that when I, as I was saying to you, I was constantly researching to find more and more out there because when I started doing this, there wasn't a lot out there. And eventually I came across Erin Kenny's Cedar Song Way and which was out in Vashon Island off the coast of Seattle. And it was when I found her program. I, I think I started to cry, like reading the website and I thought <laughs> this woman, this what she's saying, she gets it. This is it. This is what I've been trying to articulate. Even though we weren't a hundred percent outside at the time, I think I want to say we were outside, my goodness, at least three hours hours, three to four, three to four hours, probably four hours at least. And our day is just shy of six hours. We're five and three quarter hours. But what I later realized is we didn't have to be out the whole entire day to be following the Finn forest kindergarten model. It's a specific Mm. ethos. It's about letting children have that unstructured flow time, a nature immersive period every single day, regardless of the weather, unless hazardous. So it's free flow is where they get into that deep lay. And then it's an emergency curriculum I'm not writing lesson plans the rest lesson plans are written by the children by the natural yeah. every single day. Um. And the learning that takes place is profound because it just naturally happens. They don't have worksheets. They don't have, honestly, over the years, the outdoor classroom has changed dramatically. Like I used to have, you know, some toys out there, maybe like dinosaurs or trucks, or I don't have any of that. The toys Mm -hmm. or what the children make, they just have tools. They have tools like scissors, buckets, kitchen dishes. And they have, you know, they have various things like chalk. They have materials to to work with chalk, and I made those little chalkboards, just little pieces of cedar that I painted with chalk. Mm-hmm. Chalk paint.
0: So here are so, the pictures that we're looking at. We have two boys in hammocks that look like very woodsy. It, so, and that's the <laughs> other, well. That's the <laughs> other thing too. Like, so the original
1: when I first started doing the Nature Explore Outdoor Classroom, I didn't have that big area. That was behind the fence. That was like my buffer between myself and my neighbor. Oh. And then I want to say it was the year before COVID that I did that. Now here, I'm so glad that I did because who knew that COVID was coming and that once I was able to reopen after being shut down, that I was not going to be able to leave the premises because that we were were not allowed to go in the car when I was able to start back up. Now that would have been a problem prior to doing this right here is Mm -hmm. because it was such a small area, the outdoor classroom originally, but I didn't need a big space because we went off premises. We went beyond the gates every day. Looking at the picture here, it looks like... you're at the beach so we are at the beach so uh, the picture on the left with the little girl with the mud that is in the outdoor classroom where Mm -hmm. she's our little creek where they run water every day and they make mud but in the middle yes that's we're out at the harbor i only take them to harbor beaches um due to safety and and then the picture on the right that is one of our we hike through the woods talk about a magical property that picture (laughs) on the right we hike so we open you go into an open meadow it starts at an open meadow then you hike through the woods and you come out to that harbor the marsh and it is i mean it is a fragile property ecosystem so the children do learn about like we're not going to walk on certain areas because they are fragile and and they understand it and they respect respect the land
0: what i also love about these pictures are they're all in winter coats so you're not just going to the harbor in warm weather you're going in all weather so really creating an all-weather outdoor classroom
1: all all weather the so our school year so for the preschool it's from september i want to say the second or third week in september i usually i start i always start the week after the public school and i always did that because when my children were still at home and they were younger i wanted to get them settled in school Uh for their first week and i've just kept it that way and i and i love that and then i end usually the first or second full week in june and then i do a little nature camp for nine weeks in the summer Um, yes so we are out there Victoria we're out there in <laughs> weather so I don't have I don't have a temperature cutoff because you know you're you're in a coastal community as well in Massachusetts yeah we're
0: in the North Shore <laughs> Massachusetts but Beverly yes yep.
1: yes beautiful I've been there and with the wind the wind and the humidity it can make a big difference so and then if you have the sun out that can make a big difference too so the, the only time that we go inside is if it's hazardous mm. and if it and if it's really, really uncomfortable. So just, you know, just like animals, when they seek shelter, we seek yeah, shelter. Yeah, we, hunker, we have to hunker down and hunker go inside. But we haven't spent a full day inside. I was talking with my parents not that long ago about this. We haven't spent a full day inside
0: since prior to COVID. Isn't that not incredible? Not one full day. The silver lining, the silver mm-hmm. lining of COVID, I have to say. So you were talking earlier, about you don't write, sit down and write curriculum and you don't necessarily plan curriculum. And exactly. a lot of your appropriate, is child led, so yes. Can you describe that again, maybe a little bit deeper in terms of child led flow learning? What, if I was a parent and I didn't know anything about what that was. Could you? Uh, basically, it
1: is what is presented to the children every day in the environment naturally, and then of course I do put in the beginning of the year I do put out you know, like invitations at the table for children who are, aren't used to this. When they when some children do come initially, they want to know where are the toys, but <laughs> Actually, <laughs> they do learn they create the toys with the big loose parts with the small loose parts it's just a very creative open-ended materials uh-huh. and the flow learning happens when they are allowed to have that time and space and freedom to tinker with everything that it's a yes environment so that uh-huh. and it's so funny because children who have been with me even for two years still come up to me and will ask me miss Rhonda, is it okay if i do if i use this if i do that and i say of course that's okay that's Yes, definitely go for it. Children aren't used to that. They're used to be used to being told oh, no. I love that. But in this environment, they're allowed to create and to mess around with their ideas and be creative and work with one another and learn. And they also learn like their social skills. It's it's immense the learning that happens there because we work on that conflict resolution through all the different things that they're doing through their dramatic play. And it's just it's a yes environment. I love it's a, that. It's a yes environment. Yes. And I, it, so when I say that we don't have a written curriculum, the children write the curriculum with me every day. Uh-huh. We document with the nature journal and yeah. we do their documentation on what they notice, what their observations are on what they are playing. And then that is written into a newsletter for mm. the parents. And it's, it's written the emergent curriculum from the per- time period. So I did just do a spring. I did the winter review and the, the parents got that in the spring because it, it is, I will say time intensive it's, I bet. it's a lot of it's a wonderful way to do it, but it's a lot on me because I now have to produce <laughs> this document that shows all this potential learning and these things that the mm. children have been working on. But when it's each time that that I have one of those newsletters done, I read it and I say to myself, wow, this yeah. is amazing. This is amazing. So you're <laughs> not just happening? sitting
0: back and kids are playing. Oh it's, no it's, a it's a all... real intentional observation. Oh, and, 100%. It's about yeah. observation
1: and knowing when to step in, knowing when to step out. A dance. Um, so yeah, like a
0: dance. Yeah. So inquiry-based yes. teaching style. So that's what you've adopted. Exactly. 100%. Asking curious questions. That's part of the. That's part of the Forest Kindergarten
1: model. Yeah, it's the um, inquiry-based teaching teaching style. So yes, so children and sometimes I will be excited about something that I see, but usually it's what they see and their observations are prolific. Like it's Uh incredible. These children can end up telling you about decomposition. They're talking about seed dispersal. They're talking about vernal pools. And it's not because I am standing there being dictating the learning that's happening. The natural world is there and they are curious about it and their observation skills by the end of like that first year that they are here. It is amazing to see. Like I just did my parent teacher conferences this past Wednesday. And we were talking about all this stuff. And one of the parents did say like, oh, wow, we drove by, we drove by this area. And her son said to his aunt who was in the car with them, wow, look at that vernal pool. It's
0: all dried out. Oh my God. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) He's three years old. Me never doubt. Never doubt. That's fantastic. It's it's amazing. It's amazing.
1: And I always say it's not about, it's not about that per se. It's not about like dispensing this, all these scientific facts. It's Mm -hmm. these children want to know those facts. They want to know. They come to me as a source. I'm there as a source and as a guide and a facilitator. That's more my role instead of like the the Socratic teacher who stands up there and who is like, right. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we haven't been talking, again, there are these incredible pictures, which we haven't really been talking about. We've been chatting, but just again, those that are listening, we do have incredible pictures that we are watching and l- looking at. So join us in the circle and see, come see them. They're so gorgeous. I, right now we're looking at a picture of a big tent. Is this a big, this so one I do that, want you to describe. <laughs> okay. So that, that is actually an ice
1: fishing tent oh. that was uh, gifted to me by a grand during COVID, when we opened back up that winter, just, you know, she had an extra one when she had ordered hers. She has a place up in, I believe it's, she had a place in Vermont. She has a place in Vermont now. I think she used to have a place in Maine, but anyway, so she would go out to a lake and they would do ice fishing. And for some reason she ended up with two and she didn't need it. And she said, would you like this? And I thought, wow, that's great. Because in yeah. the time it's another, as you know, Victoria, <laughs> children need to have <laughs> hidden secret spots mm-hmm. that they can go and hide in and in the winter the leaves i have sassafras and scrub oak mainly um i do have some lelands and the kids would hide behind us but i had to put fencing netting around them because in the winter we have deer who hop the outdoor class yeah. fence and they were eating it but oh, what wow. that said is that the leaves on the bushes like the huckleberry they're gone so they don't have those high hide- good hiding spots in the winter and they will make forts but they're not big like this right here this fishing oh it's place. just sort of so fun. it's flexible do you have to take it down if It's a super windy day, but I did place it in between some of those sassafras where it gives it, it's more secure Yeah, about like the North, if we get the um, Northeast winds, which with the nor'easters that we get here in Massachusetts, (laughs) that that does happen every, every, um, you know, fall and spring, Uh, but they love it. They, and they're allowed to take things inside it. They just can't have sticks in there. They just can't have sticks in there because they know sticks Sticks are for big places. Um, And
0: really just looking at your trees, it's such a different landscape because you're on an island. So it's a very fascinating place to be. So we're now getting into pictures of winter. And again, we are in Massachusetts and Massachusetts is definitely New England. And we uh, have, we had sort of a less exciting winter this past winter, but we've definitely had snow. So can you describe how your teaching and learning changes when the winter hits in your outdoor classroom? So, you know, it's, it's gradual
1: here with the ocean air. We don't always get always get snow but we usually I I always wish to have at least one or two snowstorms because it's so much fun for the children it's just magical for little kids Uh, for us too but um so the picture on the left that's that's our jumping rock it it has our logo on it oh look at
0: that I didn't notice that yeah
1: yeah that was that was actually gifted to me at at the end of one school year I think the year before COVID from the graduating class oh um, yeah so
0: sweet so it's this just for those that are listening it's this it's a it's a boulder it's a boulder Boulder. with your logo on it and it's just yes they had it engraved on there so great idea
1: i know it was it was the best surprise because i always talked about you know wanting a big jumping rock because i would take children to different places that had big big rocks like that big Mm -hmm. stones and they knew that i had this affinity for these big (laughs) boulders Uh, and then to go and have my logo etched and engraved on it wow that has turned into a hair salon, a oh. store. They will uh, put planks against it and create forts on it. That has ter- been the center for so many different dramatic play themes and scenarios. It's just fabulous. They paint it with chalk and water. So again, like what I'm saying, they are allowed a lot of freedom here. And then behind it you uh, was oh. my lean-to shelter with the sides on it. I have modular sides that I put up. Yeah. So the front is open. It's always open but there's three sides to block from the wind and from the weather oh nice so that way we're able to eat outside year round and when it was very cold when we came back from covid that first winter we were outside eating in very very cold temperatures but i bought all the children normally i would have taken the children in that time of year just to eat but we did stay outside there and i bought them fingerless mittens so that they had those and i and they also had i had a box of hand warmers as well Mm. and i i did have another tent because at that time i had to separate the children six feet feet. each and they and they also had to have individual containers with their sand from my sandbox they couldn't play in a sandbox together and with whatever tools they were using so they each had a container with those things and then they each had a little stump chair that my husband made with a little table a little stump table and they sat separated oh, my three goodness. inside one and three inside
0: another it's it's <laughs> amazing we survived that you know
1: <laughs> yeah
0: it's it's pretty wild oh, incredible so again more we actually have a summer picture here but some more pictures of kids playing in a, in a mud kitchen during the snow, during the snow. Yes. It's just so precious. Mm. And I love the mud kitchen. It's just, there's so much sensory, sensory that goes on. What does place space education look like at Pollywog's Nature Place? So we are not learning about the Arctic. We're
1: not doing things with penguins. We're not doing things with oh, rainforest. We're learning about our environment. Not um. to say that there's anything wrong with this, but this is what... This this goes with this model with the forest kindergarten mm-hmm, model. Mm-hmm. And if children have questions about those other things, if those things come up naturally, that's where it naturally that's where it would be emergent and that then it, there would be conversation and but overall the place based is about our local environment. We do mm-hmm. also have you know, specific properties that we visit over and over again for them to really connect with that land, connect with that property, connect with all the living beings that are there and to see the changes that happen seasonally and from year to year. So as I was saying when we when you do a journal with the children, you can go back year after year and see these same cyclical patterns that have happened, the same type of play that happens each season, each year. It is it, it it's like just the most natural way for children to learn when they are I, I don't even think just early childhood. I think yeah. if, you know every, if every school could adopt some form of this type of learning I think children would be excited about learning because children, we don't need to teach them how to learn. I think children get burnt out. Teachers get burnt out because children aren't interested in a lot of the things that they have to teach according to the core curriculum and the state regulations. I mean, even for myself, Victoria, you know, I have to do these uh, six months, I have to do progress reports twice a year, you know, hitting certain domains and this and that. And they do naturally. And that's where I break down. Down the learning like mastered breaking down the learning in this type of educational uh, model it's gold that's yeah. that's what all new people need to to learn to really be successful with this if you do have to show that learning measurable yeah. Learning outcomes
0: yeah i love that you're saying that i do i just think it's so fantastic so the age and stages and you are you keep your school class sizes quite small i do um on purpose and I do. <laughs> and how you young is your youngest and how old is your oldest and why do you keep your class sizes so small?
1: First of all, so my license is a home-based license through the state of Massachusetts and it's, I have a six, it's called a six plus two. So six children who are under the ages of, you know, up to the age of five. And then I can have two more children who are school-aged, who are in formal school. Now I don't want to have two more children. I don't want to have eight children unless it's in the summertime and they are alumni, usually siblings of the children Mm -hmm. who are with me. That's the only time that I ever take, we'll have eight is in the summertime with those returning children who want to come back and they always want to come back, which is amazing. So I run my program this year. I've I've gone down to four days. I'm no longer five days. I'm Monday through Mm -hmm. Thursday and I have a total of eight different children throughout the week. So there are a couple who do come all four days and then there's Mm -hmm. others who come two or three days and the reason for the small size. So I did have a large group license at one time. I had te- that was two teachers with ten children. Wow! And that what I want to say that was in the early two thousands. And then in two thousand eight, I had to let my wonderful assistant Miss Barry go because of the recession. And families oh. were moving off island, or it just was not like a feasible thing for like stay home moms because people no longer had work. Right. So I'm like, Back to a small size. And I have to say, as much as I missed having the assistant for myself, I loved not having to find someone like as a replacement if somebody needed a day off and also just to be able to get out in just my car, my Mm -hmm. van, my van. And the fact is, is that even with two teachers with 10 children, if there was one child who needed one-on-one attention, now that left nine children with a teacher. Yeah, and there yeah. always seemed to be some of that so with that being said that
0: does happen yeah that's fantastic and so mm-hmm. what what what's the eight what's the age again they're they're
1: the oh younger. so the youngest is i i used to say 2.9 2.9 mm-hmm. to 5 mm-hmm. but what i've really discovered with being outdoors for so many hours because like i said we're out, outside for just about six hours that's a wow. long time in all weather for some very young children yeah. so i do now say eight, three, but I did have, you know, I had a child start with me this year. He was when he was 2.9, but he didn't start at the very beginning of school. He yeah, um, waited yeah. a little bit. It's, so and I, that, I, but also I do explain my philosophy, my model is explained to families before before they sign up um, so that they understand exactly what is happening here. Yeah. They truly want this type of educational model for their child. And I it's have incredible wonderful families. Wonderful families who really appreciate
0: and value oh. children
1: learning through play and learn and, and play Yeah,
0: it's incredible. So again, we're looking at a couple more pictures. We have a child here getting their own water or washing their hands and a huge evergreen tree and some play structure. It's so fun. that
1: tree in the middle, that is actually a hinoki cypress. That is from oh, Japan.
0: Wow. And that,
1: that's one of the properties that we regularly visit. And they actually, it was purchased by the Land Bank, which is a conservation um, organization on the island. And we tend to visit a lot of their properties. We have a, so much of Nantucket land is in a conservation. Incredible, yeah, it, it's really incredible that. But it's
0: a very small island. I've been there a couple times. It is small, but there's a lot of open space. Yeah, for it's incredible. That is
1: preserved as conservation land for
0: people to enjoy, and yeah. we're very, very lucky. Very lucky. Incredible. We did another podcast, and at the Toronto Nature School, and they use they're in the city, and they they too were talking about accessing local land that's mm-hmm. been preserved and that the kids knew about it but the families did not necessarily so it's really no, that, yeah
1: the parents um a lot of the parents there have been parents who have grown up on this island who are their families have been here for a long long time many many generations and I do normally twice a year we have a family nature day family fall nature day uh, and a spring family nature day and at one of our properties and this is where the middle picture I did do a family nature day there once and then our other one is the one where the children were looking out at the ocean on the stairs and i've had some parents come to that one and say oh my gosh i didn't even know this was here (laughs) i thought what you grew up here you grew up here (laughs) that's
0: crazy
1: crazy my my assistant my the last assistant that i had she had never been there until she worked with me
0: yeah that's just fabulous (laughs) fabulous so so she really opening up the the eyes of not only the children but the families and the community and Accessing the community and taking advantage of everything that's around you. And that's a huge message that we are sending out to all our listeners as well. Like look around and see what's around your community. So yeah. you too can access that. Now it looks like we're back in you, your outdoor classroom. Yes. And that's our garden. Oh, and... it looks just magical. Oh. So there, there's an arch. There's an arch that she's created with thick branches. Yes.
1: Yes. Just some tree limbs that had come down from our sassafras trees in a windstorm.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Prior to that, having that. So my, as I was saying earlier, the outdoor class has really changed and evolved over the years. I used to have what the garden that I had originally started as a mother's garden for me with my children on a mother's Mm. day, my husband and my children. I had gone away off Island, came back and I had this beautiful garden, children's gardening with my three kids. And I used to have a, do the bean teepee trellis. And that's where we would have our beans, peas and morning glories grow. Um, but the deer started to hop over. Oh, I took that. I took that garden fence down from that original one when I opened up the space. As I was showing, telling you mm-hmm. with that foresty area with the sassafras and the scrubble There used to be a fence between that. Like the area was quite different. And then I took the fence down and had the whole thing open, Victoria. But what I realized was that children really needed this garden space. To be a defined area with the gate to go in and out, because they were just like running around it, not really, not interacting with it. Some kids would just like rip things out when they would first come. Particularly kids who came in the summer camp. If there was someone who wasn't with me and who hadn't learned how we properly harvest, Mm -hmm. so there are definitely lessons. Even though you know we say it's emergent curriculum, one hundred percent, there are lessons when it comes to being in the garden and how we plant things, and they have, they do have things that they can just harvest and pick on their own but then we also do have some little lessons on gardening yeah beautiful i love Mm -hmm. it and that table's in there they're making bouquets with the with herbs that they've harvested
0: and these three little guys are on there on a little boat but they're all wearing their rain gear pants i just it's just yes so
1: i do i um i know that you have a collaboration with outdoor school shop and i Mm -hmm. do as well and i purchased i did a bulk shop on through mm-hmm. them where I purchased for I let the I gave the parents a couple different options to order and they just happened to all choose those sweet adorable That's blue ones <laughs> so so they're all cute. that wasn't intentional they just yeah. all the boys the families of the boys all chose that specific one and then the girls chose those little purple like leopard <laughs> spotted ones I was like oh my gosh it's like they're a little uniform uniform know. for school yeah
0: so has your philosophy of nature played changed I think we sort of talked about that definitely. Um,
1: So I've always been called a play school, always been called a play school. But I will say with that is that I don't, I know I didn't fully understand the unstructured free play to the depths that I do now. So um, I always knew that play was the most important thing for children, but I definitely used to get involved in their play when, because that was the training. When you went to those trainings, especially state trainings, you know, it was like, uh, yeah, um, I'm just really glad that I came to realize the true value of free play yeah. and that it's it's not chaos it's not when you step back and you now see what they're doing you realize there is so much depth to the that's where the real learning happen, happens Happens yeah. when they're allowed to interact with these things and to create on their own
0: i run a parent child out uh, nature classes and mm-hmm. uh i had a new parent come who's also an educator but she was i had her son was playing in our makerspace garden i talk about this in our last podcast but mm-hmm. She was in, the sun was in the makerspace garden and she was in a grassy area, not not in the same space. And she was explaining that his play is much more intense and he's more engrossed in it when she's not standing right next to him. So following him around. So it's really such a, a message for us, as difficult as it may be, that we want to micromanage their play or, oh, do it this way and do it that way. How important it is for us to take that step back and physically and actually be a little bit further yes. away so they can forget well, that, about us. That- that's
1: when they get into that flow state, Victoria. It's yeah. the flow state that you want them to get into because that's where the learning really happens. Yeah, yeah. If we are interrupting their play, constantly interrupting their play, they're also not listening to their intrinsic motivation. Right. And right. you know, yes. Yeah, so if you can learn to step back, learn to observe, really learn to trust that children are going, they know what they want to do and they yeah. think about what they need. And they will come to you with questions or ask for something and that's where you can be there as a source for them or to provide Mm -hmm. them with Mm -hmm. certain tools or things. It is a funny one for, for parents, because I think that our society, our culture is so programmed to think that learning is something coming home, having some sort of product produced by the children to say that Mm. they -hmm. they want even cookie cutter things. It's like cookie cutter crafts like this. Oh, that does that Mm -hmm. signify learning that they all, every single, you know, product looks exactly the same no Mm no that's
0: not (laughs) yeah it's beautiful what we're looking at now is we're looking at an incredible water wall which is so inspiring because we're going to be making a new one this summer as well and just kids exploring and looking at things and fantastic so what does keep you inspired what keeps you all these years you've been in this field and evolving and uh, so what keeps me inspired is nature and and it keeps me inspired that
1: wow I created this like I Mm -hmm. went with my gut no Knowing that this is what I needed for me to run, run my little program in this way, because otherwise I would have closed down. I couldn't, I could not have sustained with parents who wanted an academic focus and also me learning the language, learning how to document the learning Uh uh and just learning so much like about myself and, and truly understanding. You have to truly understand child development to work with children in, especially in a program like this because people do think like, what do you mean you don't have? It's not structured. It's not, and there's a structure to our day. Like we have a rhythm to our day. Yeah. Um, It's not this free for all thing that people think about when they think about, oh, they're just out in nature, out outside all day. It's like, no, these kids actually can really be focused Mm -hmm. when they're given that time, space and freedom. Yeah. I'm just inspired by the children Mm -hmm. and by what they do, how quickly they just become so ingrained roast in the natural world mm. and it's it, it's phenomenal and to be out there in all seasons and some I mean don't get me wrong there are days where it's like they're still children these are little yeah. humans who there are there's the their needs have to be met so there definitely are times I don't want to make it all like magical and sparkly and say yeah. that it's always like that no because day to day we're also dealing with the real human needs of little beings but it's understanding yeah. children understanding yourself and putting that all together and then that's what makes it really, really work. And I just, I get inspired by others too. You know, I've been inspired by so many people who Mm. have come before me, by new people, people that are new in the field. I'm inspired by you, Victoria.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. As you're talking, I am flipping through your pictures so um, it's just inspiring to have you talk and then be Mm. looking at these pictures as well. So I thank you for that, the beautiful, kind words. Oh, you're
1: very welcome.
0: So it's just what you have created, this little state, just everything. It's it's these so that, little seeds of inspiration.
1: That's for our winter celebration that mm-hmm. we do every year. And we used to do it inside prior to COVID because you know, it would be really, really cold Like for, to think for the families to be out there. And then I realized, no, I'm not going to have that back inside even for one day, <laughs> <laughs> you know, unless, unless it was... Unless it was like a storm. So my husband, he made that for me a stage many. I want the exact same thing. He put it together as a kit so that he keeps it in this box every year and he, you know, just Puts it together and they just go up on it and they we recite a couple poems and some uh, of the songs. You know they choose the ones that they want to do and I write up this little itinerary and then when the, the parents with their families arrive, they pass out the itinerary to their family and they walk them to one of the seats and that it's it's so brief but it is the sweetest thing. And then they also decorate cookies and serve oh my gosh. cookies and then I have either hot cocoa or hot apple cider in a crock pot at a uh, little so it's, it's basically, goodness. it's basically like for, I want to say it's under an hour, but it is the sweetest little celebration. And I, that's all it needs to be. And that's it, what's and so that, beautiful. And that's the thing
0: too. That's all it but needs to be. Look at it right be. there. We don't oh. need to
1: have these big, no, but it's, elaborate, It's oh. small, special little moments.
0: So is this your, this is your generally your, your outdoor classroom here? and Yes. Is it, and, yes. This is and then your... the garden, the garden. So that
1: picture is... there, if you were to look to the, to the right, the garden right, uh-huh. the here the shelter, the lean-to shelter. Yeah, okay.
0: Oh, it's just, Mm -hmm. if you're looking at this, our circle members, it's the most precious. So it's this, and it has a curtain, which is bright, bright red, and it's just, (laughs) and all these little kids running around with little Santa hats. It's just, it's just precious. It's so wonderful. This has been incredible. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our community? And also, where can we find you? So that picture right there, that, that
1: is summer camp last year, and those children, not those two boys, but they're using what, what is a pool that was created by these two older girls. They asked, can we can we make a pool? We want to dig into the earth and make a pool. And I thought, why not? Yes, this is a yes. This is a yeah. yes environment. And then they asked for one of the tarps and they filled it with water. And then the boys started to use it when the girls weren't there. But talk about engineering. Yeah. Talk about talk about you know science and technology talk about steam right there they made their own underground pool, Victoria. It's, it's brilliant. Like it, it's so those brilliant.
0: Kids, those kids were seven and eight-year-olds. The yeah, they look old. Them. They look like giants to me because I work with a well, little, little well, those ones. Boys,
1: <laughs> those boys there were five. I think they're, they're five. Still, they look very
0: big. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very exciting. Um, That's just br- brilliant. It's a brilliant. So again, just share your information. If people want to ask questions, we'd love to invite oh, sure. you into the circle. And so our circle members can ask you specifically specific questions if that, that yeah definitely would do, i
1: would love, love to I would love that
0: where can folks find you so you are
1: in nantucket so i am in nantucket and i do have a website and i do so i have started to do a little bit of consulting here and there because i, I have had people come out of the woodwork and ask like how do i do this but i also am i am affiliated with um cedar song and mm-hmm. it just naturally happened so my forest kindergarten uh certification is from cedar song i trained with erin kenny out in Island. And then during COVID, I became involved with their conversations and I started to lead them. They asked me to lead them. And then they asked me to be a mentor for the online teacher training. And I collaborated with them, uh, creating the online teacher uh, certification and did video and for them for that training. You can find me on hollywagsnatureplayschool.com. Com is the website and that information about how I run my program, the different programs that I have, my background, and then a the little consulting page. I also have Instagram and a Facebook page for the school and you can access both of those social medias on my web page at the bottom I believe there's little you know the little I can't remember the exact name for the that's okay they'll find you (laughs) because I think there's like (laughs) Pollywogs underscore nature underscore play school underscore
0: it is a a large name Pollywogs I'll I'll, I'll put it in the show notes for everybody to find okay that's. but I I can't thank you enough and thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for having me and I'll see you okay (laughs) thank you for joining us here at the Outdoor Classrooms Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with anybody who you think would enjoy it and follow us on Instagram. We'd love to continue the conversation. If you want to continue the conversation even deeper, please join us in the Circle community. The purpose of the Circle is to support, guide, and push you as you continually grow and sustain your outdoor classroom by providing the tools to help you set the right goals then actually follow through in achieving those goals with the support of our amazing community. Each month, 24-7, you get guidance and support from myself. You get to begin your journey with our new member roadmap. You get access to our outdoor teaching bootcamp. You get to interact and learn from guest experts who are on our podcast. They come into our membership and join us to continue the conversation Stations. you get to connect and collaborate during two live sessions a month you get access to all our online workshops and master classes you get get to dig deeper with our membership missions each month and you get to become an ambassador of joy for children i hope you can join us for the price of one workshop you get all of this you get to become a member of our family at Outdoor Classroom. So I hope you can join us. I will share the link in the show notes and we'll see you later. Come join us.